Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Happy Thursday. Hey, the music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Angst and Grace. Y'all, today on the show, I had to work real hard. Y'all are going to be real proud of me to not like fangirl out because Amanda Lindsay Cook's music, lyrically and sonically, have meant the world to me over the last couple of years. I have some real distinct memories, and you'll hear us in the show, in some real distinct places of how her songs have really been ministered to me, for lack of a less Christian-y word. I mean, just have really done good things to my heart. And so her new album, House on a Hill, just released, and it is... Just don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. It is so good. And I was so honored that she would come and take a seat here in the office and chat with me for a little bit. So here is my conversation with my new best friend. Am I allowed to say that? I'm going to say it in my heart. My new best friend, Amanda Lindsay Cook. Everyone knows that the only guests I have on the show are friends that I already have or friends I want to make. Ooh. So you're kind of stuck with me now, Ooh, Amanda I Lindsay like Cook. It. Um, <laughs> I genuinely like that. Thanks. It's really fun. It makes for a way better podcast. Gosh, she's holding me hostage. <laughs> Everyone. <Send help. laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> the fear is when you have strangers on, it's like, how's that new album doing? Yeah. And then and we've all and, been in those conversations. Right. And nobody cares. No. And you get tired of answering the same five questions that people are like, so tell me about the house you were in yeah. when yeah. you wrote this album, which is great. And it's a great story. And we are going to hit it. It had walls. Right. <laughs> it was, a, in fact, a house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, what I warned you ahead of time, Amanda, is I'm so afraid that I'm going to beneath, I mean, between two ferns. <laughs> beneath you, the ferns. Beneath two ferns. That's a different show that Zach Galifianakis is starting. But my total fear is I'm going to be like, remember Mercy when you wrote remember. that song? <laughs> How remember is that? Brave New World? Yeah. And then it's just dead silence. <laughs> That's my and fear. And the, the rustling, the gentle rustling of ferns. Yeah. In the back. That's my fear. So if I start to super fan you, I need you just to tell me to straighten up. I'm in. I'll do my best. I'm in. It's going to be this. hard. But both your albums <laughs> that I currently have are so meaningful to me that I don't want to act stupid. I know. So I'm really sorry ahead of time. I wish everyone could see the way I'm looking at you right it's now. It's such a loving gaze. It's devoted yeah. with appreciation. <laughs> Someone so likes much. the music. It was all um, worth it. That's right. You're my third Bethel artist. Are Ooh. you still a Bethel artist? Third. Third in line. Third in third line. Not prize. third in favorites, but third in... Bronze. We have, we've had Corey was on and your close Sweet pal, Corey. Stephanie Gretzinger. Yes, of course. Who I adore. Oh, she's we good. laughed so hard. <laughs> Do y'all, good. when y'all get together and write songs, how much is laughter and how much is tears? Mm. Give me a give me a pie chart. Mm. I feel like it all runs together. I, I'm probably a solid... Good grief! Now, now my mind is going with it's with it's going with numbers. It's like find a number, Amanda. Find it's a like, number. <laughs> just land don't on a number. Don't work that hard. Don't work that hard. I just would imagine the two of you the would laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and being an observer, I'm like, I'm gonna have to observe this next time. I'm just wondering. I'm gonna have to investigate this. I'm gonna have to go back into our log of how many times we. Good grief! Just pick a number. Probably half and half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All that ends with half and half. Just like a solid 50, 50. half and half, yeah. Um, you are an Enneagram five, which the people are going to love because we haven't had a bunch of fives on. Mm. Y'all just think too hard. I feel like fives don't find each other also. It's it's kind of yeah. like I find fives in books. 
Oh, that's and they interesting. My best friends. Yeah, that is very in much how y'all work. Yes. In my mind, they're all my best friends. And I'm like, we're having dinner together. Literally, I could just line up. I have three books in my bag right now. Do you? What, what are you reading? Can you tell us? Well, I'm so glad. They're so glad. I'm glad you asked, Annie. <laughs> Remember God by Annie F. Dowd. No, I'm just kidding. Thomas oh, a tiny book. Merton. Oh, yeah, Thomas tiny. Merton. Do you read All Dead People? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a book that you were referencing. Oh, no, 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 I no. Like, I need to write this down. Thomas All Merton. Dead People. <laughs> Look up no. his latest work called All Dead People. Yeah, no, no, no. No, not all dead people, just okay. some dead people. They're fully alive in my heart. Yep. And The books are so else. tiny, too. Um, just for everybody to know that every book you pull out is pocket-sized. Pocket-sized. The pocket roomie. I don't know what a roomie is. Roomie is this beautiful poet. Um, oh, thinker. yeah, of course. Um, yeah, he's 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 beautiful. I just got stuck. I know. <laughs> All of a sudden it's you're dead reading airspace a poem. that I'm actually just reading. This is this <laughs> is I was like, did you hear Amanda's conversation with Annie? She read your in her mind. <laughs> your podcast for the five is just dead silence <laughs> and the rustling of ferns and paper in the corner. What else do we have in here? I know. What else is it's in your another, purse? Well, it's another pocket size because if I were to take the the volumes of their works around with me, yeah. um, I would just I would just have a trunk. I don't know where it is, but it's it's in here somewhere, and it's another Thomas Merton. Okay, Thomas why? Merton. What are you feeling Thomas Merton for? Why? Why is he your current guy? Where did he go? I Maybe I took it out. <laughs> this is so Mary Poppins of you because that bag is not small. Yeah, you're gonna have to edit this. It's no, I think people are gonna like it. Hours. <laughs> people are like, we're here to hear really about music, but instead we're hearing Amanda dig here through her purse. Here it is. Oh, it's so tiny It's as another well. pocket classic. Like, they they just took a bunch of their works and put it in a pocket-sized book, okay. which is just so neat. For what everyone else like is going to see is I'm going to take a picture of these three pocket-sized things so <laughs> that when we are, when the show comes out, they can actually see your pocket-sized books. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Look. Okay. There we go. Okay, so why I Thomas have... Merton for real? What is it about his his writing? I started reading one of one of his books of meditations, and they were just... The point of his meditations in his forward, he wrote about reading until you found the thing that sparked in you, that magnet, that mm. magnetic pull that connects you to what is being said as though it was written within you. Yeah. And and then to just stay as with that. As though it was written within you. Yeah. Gracious. Doesn't that feel kind of like, that to me is what, um, at this point, what art feels like really great art feels as though we're rem remembering yes. something. I, like, beautiful. oh, I forgot it. But but it actually, as a public service, it helps us remember. It's I'm writing for my own survival, my own supper, my own remembrance, you know, but I feel like great art always brings us to that place of remembering. And so um, there's this, oh, there's such good, these are so good. He was writing about prayer. These are some thoughts on prayer contemplation. And I'm going to read it. Yes, read it to us. The great thing is prayer, prayer itself. If you want a life of prayer, the way to get it is by praying. We were indoctrinated so much into means and ends that we don't realize that there is a different dimension in the life of prayer. In technology, you have this horizontal progress where you must start at one point and move to another and then another. But that is not the way to build a life of prayer. In prayer, we discover what we already have. You start where you are, and you deepen what you already have, and you realize that you are already there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man. 
We, that's uh, the baby pterodactyl in me that yeah. screams every time it, <laughs> it likes something. Yes, understandably. <laughs> Man, I need to yeah. get these little – and just having that size book with you all the time. I mean, it's just so good. I'm going to read another one. Do because it. these are the two that basically I camp- I've camped out for 2018 just on these yeah. ones. Um, another thought on prayer. It is a risky thing to pray, and the danger is that our very prayers get between God and us. Mm. The great thing in prayer is not to pray, but to go directly to God. If saying your prayers is an obstacle to prayer, cut it out. Let Jesus pray. Thank God Jesus is praying. Forget yourself. Enter into the prayer of Jesus. Let him pray in you. The best way to pray is stop. Let prayer pray within you, whether you know it or not. It's like taking us from the the rational mind into the heart mind, yeah. you know, and letting prayer pray through us rather than trying to think something up in a mental capacity mm-hmm. towards a being that's outside of us. It's more about descending into the, the heart-mind space of letting prayer pray within us so that our yeah. whole, everything everything is a prayer. Everything is a frequency that's being sent out and inviting something back in. So everything essentially is a prayer. It's just about becoming aware of the prayers that we're praying and oh, that are, that's the nice. prayers that are being prayed within us. So he says, the best way to pray is stop. Let prayer pray within you, whether you know it or not. This means a deep awareness of your true inner identity. There are no levels. Any moment you can break through into the underlying unity, which is God's gift in Christ. In this end, praise praises. Thanksgiving gives thanks. Jesus prays. Openness is all. And I just love that so much because it's Anne Lamott, who's like one of my favorite authors too. too. Has this book called Help, Thanks, Wow. Yeah. Have you read it? Yes. Yes. I love it. Baby pterodactyl. Baby pterodactyl. (laughs) (laughs) Where she just talks about the three essential prayers of our lives being help, thanks, and wow. And I just, oh, it distilled all these, these, uh, these mental roadblocks for me in in constructing a way to communicate with an entity that we call God. Yeah. Um, Rather, it, it has felt like, taking a deep breath in, letting it out, and descending into the the heart space. And I say descending only because it just feels, it's just more connected. It's more connected to the ground. It's more connected to the earth. It's more connected to like my, to the embodying of of belief. Because I think we can get so locked up in our mental capacity thinking this is where beliefs take place. And it's really, uh, and it's fighting really, in there. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really uh, just, it's it's a means and it's it's a way. Of, it's really, really important. Our rational mind is so important. It's essential. But to me, integration of the whole, where like our heart mind comes into play and our, our the wisdom of our body comes into play and our groundedness to the earth and the sky, all of it is working in an elemental way to create a whole human. And so prayer becomes how we walk the earth. Prayer becomes how we how we communicate with our friends, how we mm. sit at a table, how we approach what we eat. Like everything become, can become kind of almost like a, a monastic way of yeah. living. Um, if we pay attention like that. Yeah, the, yeah. It's just about, it's just to me more and more about the the awakening within to what has always been. Like what has always been there. Yeah. It's just that I didn't know it. I just didn't know, which is That's what Christ it. forgave us for on the cross. Right. I just keep coming back to that. Oh, forgiveness spans not just deeds. We've we've preached this theology that that feels like forgiveness is based on deeds, and it settles a score. 
but there's a deeper Christ consciousness to me that that has a perspective that looks beyond the deeds into the heart of the matter and and understands that we were unconscious. We didn't know what we were doing and if we if we did, we wouldn't do it. So there's an innocence to the unconsciousness that leads to violence of crucifying a God that they thought that they were doing the right thing for. Right. That is Girl. blowing okay. my mind. Okay, hold on. My brain has to get there. Yeah. It blows my mind Yeah, um, to think about forgiveness being so active and so complete and and it's not passive and it's not um, it's not cheap. Because that's one of the things I read that you said recently is you said, I feel like it's not that I'm having a new understanding. Mm. I feel like it's always been for 2,000 years. This mm. has been true. It's just becoming something different to me. And interpretation matters. Right. Because it takes us, however our path winds and wherever we're at on our particular path, it takes 30-some years for me to realize that the sun has been rising yeah. every morning. Yeah. And I just didn't, I just didn't engage with it. Yeah. So how much more is there to experience? Rather than looking at that with regret, which okay. is a shame, it's a shame-based way of, of thinking that we're just missing it. Yeah, we're you've really fought shame, it. haven't you? Yeah. It seems like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like in what I read, but then also as I listen to you, I'm like, in what I see online and all the places, mm-hmm. all the ways I stalk you. <laughs> It seems like you have taken an active role in like, shame will not tell me who I am. Shame will not tell me about my body. Mm-hmm. Shame won't tell you about my relationships. I mean, is mm-hmm. that was that intentional? I think I stumbled into that. Brene Brown has been huge in yeah, right. helping and giving language. I think language is power. Language yep. is, brings knowledge and understanding, and then we and then we can learn what to do with that. And um, so I think it's it's just. It's been at this point thirty four years in the in the making of of rerouting yeah. certain thinking patterns that are that are found through lineage and culture and religion and all uh, the whole cluster of things that make up a human being from the time that we're born to the time that we're twelve we we already know by the time we're twelve we already know what we believe about god and 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 people and ourselves and how they all go together, but we don't necessarily have the language for it. We've just absorbed all of it. Yeah. And so the rest of life seems to be this unwinding of, oh, oh, wait. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I didn't understand my own self and what I was, where I was at and what I needed and what I was doing. And so now that I know I can extend, not just extend compassion, but learn from her. I was writing something the other day that felt kind of like a conversation with my, like a telepathic conversation with my 16-year-old self. Yeah. And and I found myself looking into her eyes and, and you know, the visualization or yeah. imagination and wanting to bottle up her innocence and burn it like incense for the mm-hmm. rest of my life and, and learn what she knew, but then also extend to her, oh, you're so hard on yourself. I'm so sorry. Like... You're gonna know. You're gonna get to this space, and then it was it was this fun thing. I was just writing it out, and it almost felt like this. We sat in solidarity. Now I'm just giving away the writing, essentially. <laughs> but like when you hear it, this it's song, really good. Yeah, there are yeah. adjectives in it and verbs, pronouns. That's yeah, a good body of work. Yeah. All the pieces that make up a, an essay about self 
Um, but I, I, it felt like we sat, I was kind of more trying to describe sitting in solidarity with the many ages of ourselves and the main, oh, wow. the many personas that we Man, isn't have that tried healing on. Yeah. to work through that? Yeah. yeah. And it almost felt like this grandmother presence came in and sat behind us and, and just looked at whatever we were looking at. It felt like a horizon. And, um, and I felt like something was healing in all of us at the same time, perhaps the integration of, yeah. of knowing how essential each piece and each self and each persona and each attempt and each like. Did you just look back or were you thinking about yourself older as well? I th- yeah, it felt like an older kind of presence yeah, too. Because yeah. I think we're, our spirits are timeless and ageless. You know, yes. there's that kind of essence to us. So I feel There has to be, because we know things we don't know. Mm -hmm. We long for, I said to my counselor yesterday, I know that what I want, I cannot find. Yeah. It's not like I'm hungry, I need a burger. There's this thing in me that I just can't, I can't find it, and I'm plagued by it. Yeah. Because we just are forever. Yeah, yeah. 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 You feel that too? Yeah. Good. So I don't need to like be in a, be, (laughs) block myself away from people because, (laughs) maybe, maybe I do. We'll talk about it. I don't, I don't. (laughs) So I think you're onto something. I feel like if we're maybe we're meant for like endless discovery, we're here to learn. We're just we're here to learn. We're say here to say the thing about mystery you were saying before we started about how important mysteries become to you because I think it's so easy mm-hmm. in our faith to think when you have matured is when it has stopped being mysterious. Like you've done it. You yeah you, we've now done you it. Understand. We've got the corner on yes. on religion and yeah. on God and on people. We get it. Now right. we just have to just. Just now disseminate it to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Now no, we no. need to, yeah. And this is all, again, in books and authors and, and ancient texts and scriptures and that have kind of culminated um, for me. But I, I feel as though our structure of belief systems serve us so well until they don't. Mm. They just do until they don't. That's it. And usually... That space of not serving us has nothing to do with a- abandoning this idea of God. I think a lot of us need to abandon our ideas, actually do need to abandon our ideas of God in order to find, like, the more expanded view, yes. you know? Because I think that's a scary thing. There it's is a way scary. to stay true to God, to stay connected with Scripture, and to explore the parts of Him you don't know yet. Yeah, which it, is going to be... Um, it can feel heretical, right? But it can <laughs> yeah. feel heretical, like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna. There's more to God mm-hmm. than what I've understood, and then mm-hmm. you go, no, there's not. And right. don't you dare. You, yeah. it's all right here, Genesis to Revelation. Right. It's like, no, the part of the mystery of who God is. It's is there's more we do not know. Yeah, it's essential. I think we were made for discovery, for endless discovery. We were made for. I think it's Rohr who says. Uh, the endless searchable mystery, not the unsearchable mystery mm. of God. And it it has to do with our viewpoint of God. I think if God feels like a like a punishing patriarch in the sky, who's, you know, the idea of ruling and reigning is still very men. It's very it's it's put through our lenses and in interpretation, which, you know, matters. But yeah. I when we view God as that kind of you know, we've made God into an ego of sorts of of our own our own interpretation, and the ego just always needs to defend itself. It doesn't. Mm. It's not fully in its essence. But when I look at God and I read Scripture about the essence of God being all of these names and all of these wondrous things that He's, you know, that even pronouns don't do it justice. God yeah. is a they. Yeah. So 
when they are speaking to Moses. I think it was Moses, right? That he, that he, they, she, uh-huh. <laughs> the essence of God reveals God as I am. Right. Um, and that, to me, has been one of the most healing names, if there's going to be a name. I mm. love that that the idea of God is is bigger than the word that we use yes. at this point. Because yes. we names are important and words are important, and we impose our belief systems on a name. Mm-hmm. So I love that this mystery of the great beyond um, is, is introduced in a hundred different ways yeah. to a hundred different people, a thousand different ways to a thousand different people. And Jesus is the incarnation of that reality of, of a human being is fully connected and, and intimately aware of the source. And, you know, part of the mystery of the incarnation is that he came to reveal that we are all connected at the source and we didn't know it. Yeah. But now we get to know it. Yeah. So forgiving the unconsciousness of not knowing is is an active... Okay, everybody, forgiving the unconscious of not knowing. I'm yeah. Cook, just get out of here. That is... <laughs> it's the... it's the He deals with shame in that whole sentence because we yeah. feel shame for not knowing something. So yes. we're in this endless cycle of punishment. Like whenever we learn something new, then we punish our all of our past selves for not knowing what we did. Yeah, know. we do do that. Rather than accepting that we were learning we were unconscious we're growing in consciousness we're mm-hmm. growing in and we're evolving in our understanding i am forever going to be evolving in my understanding of the great goodness and benevolence and kindness of this this energetic source this shimmering source called love yeah. and the evidence of it is the fruit of the spirit yeah. like we keep trying to like quantify and make it something that's doable but it's an essence and it's evidence of being connected to the source which is what Jesus was connected yes. to at all times, which then what happens is the prayers that pray themselves through you are loving and they're kind and they're good and they're peaceful and they're... Um, ah, because the, you know, your prayers are love, coming out joy, of the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, oh, goodness, yeah, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, that's a tall order, but it feels accessible when Jesus reveals actually the, the source has always been within you. Yeah. Now it's a matter of, of letting that Letting all of those things yeah. do what they do. Letting yeah. them do. Not trying to force ourselves to become those, but letting mm-hmm. those things heal. Mm-hmm. And letting those things um, knock on our door and say, is now a good time to heal this This And just trusting the timing in yeah. some ways. Yeah. And those things aren't, you can't force them. Like you can't, to me, joy and sorrow are not mutually exclusive anymore. It's not. I went through the sorrow, and now I'm joyful. No, it's, same, same. They're they're hand in hand. They're they are friends. always hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Inside Out taught us that. Yes, right. God. I mean, Inside Out did it in a way that I had never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And as a seven, as you can imagine, Ooh. we don't ever want a sad emotion. <laughs> so we want like the roller coaster ride. We want the down to go as fast as it can, and right. the climbing back up to right. take forever. Right, right, right. But I have I'm I'm with you that kind of the limp and the blessing of Jacob of yeah. going like, okay, this is, these things actually, when you are experiencing joy and sorrow together, that is when you're the most alive, not when you are full of joy. Yeah. But it's awful. Yeah. I mean, because in each of our stories, hearts have been broken. Yeah. Lives have been changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, things have, I assume, I don't know your story, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. terrible things happen to humans all the time. Mm-hmm. And we, and how do we hold both of those and believe that God is who he says he is? Yeah. We don't live in an endless summer. 
And I think there's a pressure that comes with, with feeling as though we have experienced something good that's healing. And so now we have to package it really quickly and try to save the world with it. Yes. And Oh, you're ruining my life. Yes. You're so <laughs> right. Yeah. And then and then we we get so caught up in the packaging and the and trying to get it out, trying to mm-hmm. get it out to the world that when winter comes, when the essential winter comes and our leaves start dying, we're like, "No, no, 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 no. we need more fruit. We need to, no, no, no. Yeah. We need to be producing fruit." Yeah. You know, in quotes all the time and Trees know things that we just aren't willing to look at, which yes. is, which is, they surrender. Melissa Helser teaches me this all the time. They surrender to the fall. You don't see them fighting the fall. Like yeah. trees don't fight the death no. that's essential to life. It's a surrender. It's it's a surrender to, to a benevolence and and a trust. And yet, because we live in a world where, at least in in our country, mm-hmm. in a lot of countries, you can get any fruit or vegetable. Anytime you want. Yeah. You can buy clothes of any kind anytime mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. We are taught endless summer. Mm-hmm. You can have strawberries. You can have them whenever you want because Every wouldn't day. it yep. feel better if yep. this was an endless summer but essential winter? Oh, Lord have mercy. Amanda, you're ruining my day. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's – I think that is so important, especially for people like you and I that are content creators in different mm. ways, that we are allowed to have winters and create we, – we have to. We have to have winters in our creations, yes. right? Yeah, I think too with with the way our world is run, which is there's so much beauty to how how connected things are and technology and all of that, but that perpetuates that feeling of I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I have to go do something more. Yeah, <laughs> to go try to do something more. But I grew up on a farm in the middle of Canada, and we had to be surrendered to the literal four seasons because the winters were long and harsh and beautiful and pristine and um, very, very cold. And and the summers were very hot and humid, and we'd be outside working as a family. And fall, you know, was harvest, and spring was new life. I, like I, And I'm very aware that I did not say them in order. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will I'm be fine. Very <laughs> Please don't judge me. She didn't get her seasons in order. Um, no, but I think just that uh, being able to absorb that with without having words for it, and yeah. just watching my dad have to be surrendered to literal elemental seasonal yeah. weather, like. If it's a sunny day, we're outside and working. If it's rainy, we're hoping that it doesn't drown everything. Yeah. You know, we're hoping for the right balance of sun and rain for the crops to get in. And it's just, it's like kind of a terrifying trust yeah. of of you're just, you just actually, it. I think it made um, me aware of just our human nature is is that dependent, is that vulnerable at all times, whether or not we want to admit it, you know? Yes. We yes. always try to beef ourselves up, and I hate feeling fragile. I hate it. I hate feeling like the the energy drain in a room, like um, just melancholy Amanda, <laughs> <laughs> just in her happy sadness. <laughs> Reading a book, don't approach her. Right. That's not why she's here. <laughs> she's here to observe. Let her be. Let, Let her, her be. be in her invisible in her invisibility cloak. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to take it all in. You know, it's so like she it's can like, think about it. It's like the extroverts 
at a party that try to that assume that introverts are not having a good time if they're yes. by themselves. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm having a great time by the food table yeah. by myself. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm loving the energy. I'm loving watching all of you guys talk. I'm just going to go. I'm going to okay, go so snoop in the bathroom yeah. cupboards of oh this my gosh, party. Just see what these people are really <laughs> like. I'm going to look in every closet. Yeah. There are some of our friends listening who go like, I hear the seasonal thing, but I'm in an endless winter. Oh, man. Like, it hasn't lightened up. What oh. do you... I mean, the science is spring's going to come. Yeah. But, like, there are people who are going, yeah, shut up, Annie. Spring isn't coming. It's been two years. That's it. It's <laughs> yeah. been two years. What yeah. do you say to them? Oh, man. I would want to sit with each person and make eye contact because there are things... I can't give a pat answer to something like that. I don't think there is one. The most healing things for me have been... When people sit with me, friends have sat with me and made eye contact and we've welled up with tears and there hasn't been a single word spoken. Yeah. And it feels timeless in those moments. It feels terrifyingly indefinite. I think the with grief especially, it can feel in like I might drown here. This yeah. is this feels indefinite. Yeah. It has a timeline of its own. One of your lyrics that I love in the new album is other people have died here, but I will choose to live. It's a very arrogant statement, Amanda. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, all I you mean, dyers. <laughs> uh, you may Sorry, have all you died dead here, people. but I'm living. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not think it was arrogant at all. Thank you. I'm glad. I just had to make a joke about it. Yes. Every time I sing it, I'm like, wow, that's a tall order, Amanda. <laughs> We're really going there. Good luck we? with that, Amanda. I think I think there are many also, to make it inward, there are many selves of me mm. that have died there. Yeah, there that, you go. That, and then the more of the essence that's more, you know, makes space for all of those selves to yeah. die and then whatever to be resurrected on the other side yeah. is, you know, feels like an essence. So I think it's, it's equal parts that, yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. pointing out like, oh, you losers. <laughs> All the rest of you. <laughs> I, but I think someone, it, the times when I've felt like I'm in an endless winter, mm. the, it is so, here we go with Between Two Ferns. It is so encouraging to have music like that, that I can put on and say, oh, there are people who have not survived this. I will survive this. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, okay, there are times where I did, I wouldn't have survived this, but this Annie will survive this. Yeah. Other Annies would have died here. Yeah. This Annie won't. Yeah. And so I think that, I think there's an endless winter gift in music like that that kind of tells people, you're right. I want to bring something people. up. Hold on. Okay. I think too, with, with people who are in an endless, what feels like an endless winter, all I would want is for people to feel compassion and recognition. I think recognition is a deep gift that you can't quantify or monetize or it's not loud. It's not recognition flashy. within yourself of what's going on yeah, or recognition not, from other people. Recognition of oh, we've oh, we've been there. Yeah. I've been there. That understanding that comes with like it's hard to talk about even because it really requires presence and eye contact and and those have been deeply healing for me. Yeah. And that looks like a companion in the endless winter going, I can't fix it for you. And I won't, I can't fast forward it for you. I can't save you from it. Actually, this is essential for you. Just yeah. come and bring your endless winter with you. Yes. I've had friends like Stephanie, I remember sitting with her and I was in a, I was in a deep, uh, dark space and I just did not want to get out of bed, let alone live. <laughs> Um, and 
she said to me, just, can you just come and bring your sadness with you? Because we don't need you to be happy to in order to love you. Oh, wow. Um, you can sit in the corner and be exactly what you need to be. And that was so uncomfortably healing for me because to feel so fragile, I think we end up then hiding our in our fragility because we don't want to, I don't know. For me, it felt like I just didn't. I just didn't want to drain people. Gosh. But to be able to sit there and and and, and to have that kind of companionship or friendship that just says like, I know you're in an endless winter. Come and bring it. There's space for it. Like yeah. you don't have to try to force spring. Yes. Just be in your winter. It's and not even that. Not even just like we're here waiting for that to end for you, but actually dignifying it and yes. going. This is actually essential for you. Yes, switch I'm, endless for essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm hurting with you. Yeah. I'm hurting for you. And I'll bring you, I mean, I'll bring you coffee. Yeah. I'll bring you food. Like it was like the simple things. Like Steph would make breakfast and just bring it to me. And I was like, I can't. This is just, the, this is so quietly loving, but it's mm. so loud. Yes. It's so loud. Yes. It's the loudest thing. I just... I'm still looking for this passage because it's so brilliant. Keep on. Um, and it has to do with winter. And it was very helpful for me. That's another passage that my friend Melissa Helzer sent me when I when I was in what felt like an endless winter. Um, where is it? Where is that? Where is that? One of these days, Apple needs to make it possible for us to like search our pictures with words. <laughs> I found it. This is a miracle. Girl, it's well a Christmas done. miracle. A, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Okay. Are we ready, readers? Readers, listeners. <laughs> I'm just saying we're. It's a book club now. Any like we're yeah, starting. Suddenly a, we started a book we've club. We started a book club. I'm here Are we for ready, it. readers? <laughs> This is from a book called Let Your Life Speak. Have you read it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Chip Dodd? Um, Parker no. Palmer? Parker Palmer. Mm-hmm. No. I, do you know I thought Parker Palmer was a woman until I ordered the book and saw his picture on the back? I was like, <laughs> I love him. I love him. I have happens. the wholeness one right now on my <laughs> mm. – I'm working through the wholeness one. But no, I haven't read Let Your Life Speak. This is so brilliant about winter. I'll read the precursor too. Autumn. Um, the chapter on autumn ends going into winter. And it says, autumn constantly reminds me that – my daily dyings are necessary precursors to new life. If I try to make a life that defies the diminishments of autumn, the life I end up with will be artificial at best and utterly colorless as well. But when I yield to the endless interplay of living and dying, dying and living, the life I am given will be real and colorful, fruitful and whole. Winter. The little deaths of autumn are mild precursors to the rigor mortis of winter. The Southern humorist Roy Blount, I don't know if that's how I say it, sure, has, (laughs) he talks about how in the upper Midwest where I live, what we get in winter is not weather, but divine retribution. Oh my God. (laughs) He believes that someone here once did something very, very bad, and we are still paying the price for that transgression. (laughs) Winter here is a demanding season, and not everyone appreciates the discipline. It is a season when death's victory can seem supreme. Few creatures stir, plants do not visibly grow, and nature feels like our enemy. And yet the rigors of winter, like the diminishments of autumn, are accompanied by amazing gifts. One gift is beauty, different from the beauty of autumn, but somehow lovelier still. I am not sure that any sight or sound on earth is as exquisite as the hushed descent of a sky full of snow. Another gift is a reminder that times of dormancy and deep rest are essential to all living things. 
think about that every time you take a nap. Yeah, right? <laughs> Despite all appearances, of course, nature is not dead in winter. It has gone underground to renew itself and prepare for spring. Winter is a time when we are admonished and even inclined to do the same for ourselves. But for me, winter has an even greater gift to give. It comes when the sky is clear, the sun is brilliant, the trees are bare, and the first snow is yet to come. It is the gift of utter clarity. In winter, one can walk into the woods that have been opaque with summer growth only a few months earlier and see the trees clearly, singly, and together, and see the ground they are rooted in. A few months ago, my father died. He was more than a good man, and the months following his death were a long, hard winter for me. But in the midst of that ice and loss, I came into a certain clarity that I lacked when he was alive. I saw something that had been concealed when the luxuriance of his love surrounded me, mm. saw how I had relied on him to help me cushion life's harsher blows. When he could no longer do that, my first thought was, now I must do it for myself. But as time went on, I saw a deeper truth. It never was my father absorbing those blows, but a larger and deeper grace that he taught me to rely on. I'm getting to the crux of it. Don't worry, yeah, we're so all good. going here. We're having a great time. When my father was alive, I confused the teaching with the teacher. My teacher is gone now, but the grace is still there, and my clarity about that fact has allowed his teaching to take deeper root in me. Winter clears the landscape, however brutally, giving us a chance to see ourselves in each other more clearly, to see the ground, the very ground of our being. In the upper Midwest, newcomers often receive a classic piece of wintertime advice. The winters will drive you crazy unless you learn how to get out into them. Mm. Here, people spend good money on warm clothing so that they can get outdoors and avoid the cabin fever that comes from huddling fearfully by the fire during the hard frozen months. If you live here long, you learn that a daily walk into the winter world will fortify your spirit by taking you boldly to the very heart of the season you fear. Oh, man. That's worth reading again. If you live here long, <laughs> planet Earth... <laughs> You learn that a daily walk into the winter world will fortify the spirit by taking you boldly into the very heart of the season you fear. Our inward winters take many forms, failure, betrayal, depression, death, but every one of them in my experience yields to the same advice. The winters will drive you crazy until you learn to get out into them. Until we enter boldly into the fears we most want to avoid, those fears will dominate our lives. But when we walk directly into them, protected from frostbite by the warm garb of friendship or inner discipline or spiritual guidance, we can learn what they have to teach us. Then we discover once again that the cycle of seasons is trustworthy and life-giving, even in the most dismaying season of all. Man. So <laughs> I feel like Get out in, it. in an endless winter, that's what I would say. Thank you, Parker. Yes, thank you, Parker. <laughs> That and, and the masculine Parker Palmer. And the ma I thought he was a woman. He is not. The very manly Parker Palmer. <laughs> yeah, that it can feel forever, and 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 those moments, I think, a hot cup of something, and the companionship of friendship is yeah. is essential. And because the other scary thing is, you think you've made it through the winter, and you think it'll never come again. Okay, right. I did it. Right. Okay, that depression lifted. Okay, that sadness is gone. Okay, that grief is gone. And you think, yay, yeah, we winter. Hit, we hit spring and we're like, yeah, rock right. on. And right. summer's like, Coachella, right. Coachella vibes. Everyone's flower crowns. <laughs> That's right. We're doing it. And then That's fall right. comes and we're like, we're still in it though. We're yeah. still like, oh my gosh, pumpkin spice. Right, right. And then all of a sudden. All of a sudden. 
All it of a sudden, is. winter's like, Dark. I'm going to Bermuda. <laughs> right. I can't do right. right. Yeah. And it just always, I mean, I think there is such a, a faith discipline. I don't think Richard Foster put this in his book, but a discipline to me and our faith is disciplining yourself to celebrate the seasons. You just have to. You, you, you're right. The, the, that line of the way to survive winter is to get in it. Yeah. And then, because, mm-hmm. but I do feel that ache in me for an endless summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is in me so hard, Amanda. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's in all of us, but as a seven mm-hmm. and as an Annie, yeah. where I'm like, can I just be outside till, cause yeah. you're longing for this thing that is not real. Yeah. yeah. Like I, like I said to my counselor yesterday, I said, I said, I want my dad outside grilling on a porch in a house we do not live in anymore. Wow. I want, you know, like mm-hmm. I have this thing that I want yep. that feels like an endless summer that mm-hmm. is not. And so I have to say to the Lord, like, what is it actually that I want? Yeah. And and how can that be filled now? Mm. What is it I'm really, you know, there isn't always an answer. There isn't always an answer. I think that's comforting. Yeah. I think too, I mean, I had friends where the most comforting thing that they could say to me was this too shall pass. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, right. we throw that around, but I'm like, in the moment when it feels like minutes are years, just holding on to that phrase. There's phrases like when when you don't, when you're in the middle of that kind of darkness or that kind of sp- and you're we're in that kind of space, and no human being is exempt from it. Yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Encouragement. Humans. with Amanda Cook. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die, yeah. um, and it's gonna hurt. <laughs> Once every four times seasonally. Um, <laughs> oh man, comedy's good. Um, but I think just we don't in those moments we don't wax poetic and and we, there's no time for philosophy. Yeah, don't be Job's friends. There's no time for philosophy. Right. Actually, the the most healing things are this will pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> the like, best thing I can offer you is here's <laughs> coffee and my eye contact, and this won't last forever. Yeah. Question mark. Without the anxiety of needing it to pass. Because I think yes. it can be delivered. I think it's all in the delivery, right? Yeah. In the context. So we've had friends who have been like, it'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> this will pass, right? This is going to pass, right? It's going to pass because yeah. I can't deal with it. Yeah, you're like, Never it's not a kidney stone. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be as quick as you wish. Yeah, But rather like a deep recognition of, oh, it's, it's divine. It's divinely human that you're here. And I'm so sorry that it hurts and it will pass. It's divinely human. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Jesus did that. And I don't think he did that for some kind of escapism theology that we don't need to deal with reality. I think he, I think the incarnation is that part of the beauty. I won't ever define the incarnation in one way <laughs> because it's too multifaceted. Um, but yeah, they're like, remember that time Amanda Cook defined the theologically define the incarnation. Right. You're welcome. I've got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Part of the I endless the searchable mystery of the right. incarnation would be that he um, maybe I would like to propose that he taught us also how to go through hell, not so much escape hell. Mm. He gave himself over to death and resurrection. And I, I um, there's a lot of replacement theology, you know, and, and escape theology. And, and a lot of that is based in gratitude, which is beautiful. I'm also very inclined to the both end of also. But yeah. what, what, if, what if it wasn't so much escaping? A part of it, too, is that he's healing the shame story. So if, if you take shame out of the story, you don't need to change the facts in order to fully live. Mm. And um, 
Come on, somebody needs to hear that. We're just trying to like rewrite. We're like, we camp out on the, he he rewrites our history. Right. (laughs) You guys, that's not her singing voice, just in case you haven't (laughs) listened yet. It is. We just have a lot of auto-tune. He rewrites our history. We have a lot of (laughs) auto-tune. That's your pterodactyl singing voice. Um, He... I think a lot of our shame narrative is, well, I really hope he does because, you know, it's the shame thing again of of feeling like I didn't know better. No, I would love to propose. I'm not a mother, but I, I've watched my friends and their kids, and there's just no shame in a child learning and yeah. not knowing yes. how to walk. Right. Like, when have we ever shamed an infant for not knowing how to walk until they learned how to walk? And right. when they were learning how to walk... They're bumping into stuff. We all we all did it. We all nice. fell down. We all ran into like coffee tables and thought the world was over, you know. Um, but we weren't shamed for not knowing yeah. how to walk. And so I, I think somewhere along along the line, when theology hits our rational mind and it dis- we disconnect it from our heart mind and our body, um, we get really punishing about the things that we don't know, but we're always going to be in a state of not knowing yeah. and learning and discovering. It's one of the things growing. I hate. Have you seen? There's like eight reasons I don't ascribe to this, but when people lose weight and they hold up their old pants and then drop them, I'm always like, why are you doing that to her? <laughs> she was doing the best she could. Yep. Yeah, I, I appreciate getting healthier and all the things. And then there's the whole, like, why would you shame a bigger size or a smaller right. size or whatever right. that we don't even have time for? But like, mm-hmm. but to me, the shame story is that woman or that man who wore that size jeans every day was doing the best they could. Yes. So why? Yes. We seem to have a story that says what I was yesterday was not worthy of the approval that I'm getting today. Okay. Yes, that's and exactly it. That's sad. It's so sad. <laughs> because our worthiness. It's so unkind. Yeah. And our if only we knew that when we arrived on this planet, we were worthy of love and belonging and connection. Those were not negotiables. Mm. And infants, we know that as a baby because we reach out for it. We're one with ourselves. We're we're congruent with our our place in the world, our needs. We reach out for them. We live very whole until we learn we have to divide ourselves. Yeah. And usually shame, I think, brings the division mm-hmm. of of personas and presenting ourselves to each other. But yeah, I wonder what would happen if if we experimented and experimented with worthiness, experimented with going into that space of asking, why do I not feel worthy? Um because those things won't heal. Like I've I've done methods and things that I thought would bring back the worthiness that I felt like I had lost. But I, what if the worthiness was just always there and we just didn't know it? It's another thing that we didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that I was worthy the whole time. Um, even with our theology, with when we talk about Jesus, like he gave humanity the gift of enlightenment and divine connection at the soul source, not because we weren't worthy, but because we were and we didn't know it. And when we fall into unconsciousness, we become survivalists, which then become violent. Mm-hmm. We become violent because it's all about survival of the fittest. Yes. And our belief systems, too, we've created survival of the fittest belief systems. Yeah, as centered I say, it's internal as, ma- as well as external. Right. Yeah. But what if, I'm just throwing out a what if. I like it. What if he came to highlight not only the worthiness, that, that he came because we were worthy and we were worthy of love and belonging and connection and welcome 
Those are non-negotiables. And deep within us, in the in the human heart, we were always connected, um, but we didn't know it. We fell into unconsciousness, mm-hmm. and we did not know it. Yeah. And and whenever we fall into an unconscious survivalist state, we wreak havoc internally and externally on our world. So. So how do we wake up? How do we wake? <laughs> so yeah, listen to like awakening. A lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. And I would Annie love and Amanda to leave you giving with that. you nothing, <laughs> nothing helpful, but a lot I would of questions. Love to leave you with a question. <laughs> to just end this with an existential question: What is the meaning of life, and how do we die well? <laughs> Every day, you're one day closer. How do we die well? I feel like waking up can feel equal parts like a flower blooming and and also like Sandra Bullock and gravity careening towards the planet. Right. I think (laughs) it can feel quite harsh. Maybe what's internal is trying to bloom. And so what feels harsh is all of the containers and things around it breaking, like the concrete breaking as a plant like blooms as a flower blooms through it you know so i think we concentrate on so much on the the concrete that's breaking and we think that's our heart but our heart is actually the flower (laughs) well we're getting really poetic here your heart is a flower (laughs) 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 it's like a minute for real no i i do I think because you can't control a flower blooming and that is in the end to me, so much of faith is letting go of control. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Faith is the space that exists within uncertainty. It's whenever we feel like we found certainty, that's, that's not, you don't need faith. If you're certain, you actually don't need any faith, (laughs) you know, you figured it out. We figured it all out. And, um, and I think, oh yeah. Awakening is a, it's a lifelong discovery and we're in this continual process of, of regeneration and waking up. And I think what feels really comforting too is knowing scientifically that our cells turn over while we're sleeping. And so we're essentially being resurrected every morning, mm. unbeknownst to I us. I did not know that. Right. And we have baby brain cells that are born every morning. That there's there's a regeneration that is in the wisdom of our body that we're designed for. We're designed for mm. it actually to not fight yeah. Um, you know, the, the death and resurrection. And it happens in everyone everyone's path on their own time, and they're always right on time. You can't force it. I have to hear that because I am such so prone to force. Right. We all are. Yeah. We, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we all we all are. We it's it's the stress, it's the anxiety speaking and the stress of of, you know, the hustle and trying to trying to make something matter when mm. we realize we're actually made of matter mm. and it's a heart matter. We're made of stardust. We're, we're here to exist and to, to embrace the beauty of, of our lives in every, without shame on the path that we're on with true acceptance, radical acceptance and true absorption of our story mm-hmm. um, and watching it turn into goodness, watching it to me that that is a redemption that I really believe in is not just like taking all of our bull. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> trying to find a good word. <laughs> and I was like, taking all of our stuff. Yes, there. These are all very polite words. Yeah, but thank I you think for everyone me. knows what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, hopefully. Because we also have a theology that's just like, I'm a piece of mm-hmm. and you're not. So 
you take all of my and you turn it into something lovely. Yeah. And um, there's truth in the fact that the mulch of our life is not wasted. Yeah. Um, but it's what if perhaps it's also that we're just not we're not just made of mulch. We're made of stardust and we didn't know it. And so when those things collide, when our earth like when our earth bodies <laughs> wow well, yeah, we're aliens. We're all aliens. <laughs> This is what someone Wait, someone got from bodies. the no someone someone got from the podcast. They're like writing a comment. Amanda believes in aliens now. This is how comments go. I know how it goes. They, the internet is such a special place. Oh, it's special, yeah, all right. Yeah, but um, you know when we we when con- our earth bodies that's when our earth bodies right with what? when we connect that that everything is a miracle. Like mm. Einstein said, you know, there's just two ways to live. Essentially, one is though everything isn't a miracle, and one is though everything is. And so, I Gosh. when we connect to the miracle that is, and it's that everything is actually in the universe in the created order is supporting my prayers that pray through me. First of all energetically i send out a frequency that's a whole other podcast um <laughs> girl we are just getting started i have so many more things we're gonna be like amanda's on once a month you guys is that weird <laughs> she never leaves yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm sleeping under the ferns that's right. in the corner um but i think i think embracing all of it as as it all mattered it all is essential to who we're becoming Rather than I only create havoc and you only create beauty. And so mm. it's only when I give you my havoc, that's when we get beauty. No, I think that's that's the shame narrative again. Yes, you're that right. Would have us feel like we weren't worthy. Yeah. But the worthiness was always there. So then what do we do with with I was worthy but I didn't know it and when I didn't know it, I wreaked havoc. So can we turn this havoc into something that feels like a goodness that everyone can take part in and, you know, create cosmos out of chaos. Yeah. Thank you, Madeline Langle, yeah. you know, Langle, Angle. I think you're right. Madeline Langle. <laughs> I, I mean, she's the one who put the apostrophe there. Man. If it was, she's the one who Maddie, said, Madeline, I know you're listening. We should call her Maddie. Did anybody right. call her Maddie? She had such a short haircut. For sure, people called her Maddie. I think so. She was so fun secretly. I want to call her Maddie. Have I you li- have you read the cro- Crosswalk series? <gasps> no. Where she did a circle of quiet and she wrote oh, writes them all yes. from this. Yes, yeah. yes. Oof. I started reading one of them. They're so good. Mm-hmm. I adore her. Amanda, we've really done it. <laughs> I think we've solved a lot. I think we've really the thing. The... the only thing I'm supposed to say we haven't said is your new album's called House on a oh, Hill. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> This is fun. I love these this is real life, right? Like, Um, dear everyone, this is what it's like to be friends. (laughs) And also, Amanda Lindsay Cook has some incredible music for you to listen to. (laughs) It's it's out there. It's called House on a Hill. That's right. Um, And the good thing is, they can go anywhere else. They can Google you and read all about where the album came from. And we're actually doing Awakening here at church on Sunday. You are. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? I know. So if you're in town, you want to come, or if you want to come sing it at one of the one of the church services. <laughs> no, but yeah, I want to all come of our as campuses. A silent witness. Yeah, and I'll wear my invisibility. Isn't that cool? Club. It's like the. That is um, I think it's the we. A lot of times, it's an interesting part of church because there's usually songs, preaching, and a song, and we work really hard at Crosspoint. A lot of churches do wow. to not manipulate, but to right. offer a space after. Right where people can connect with God and themselves yeah. after they've heard a teaching. Yeah. And so Awakening is the is the connecting song after the sermon on Sunday. I mean, your album's only been out like a 
a, a week. minute, and people are already putting it up on their Sunday mornings. Wow. Come on. That's so lovely. It really is. My Between Two Ferns moment is that your music has walked me through a whole, whole lot, and I'm just really thankful. Annie. So thank you. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for doing the seasonal pain mm. that you do. I just think what I keep seeing true in my friend's life who are creating things that a lot of people listen to or interact with is that they suffer deeply. Mm. And most people have no idea. So I don't know how you've suffered, but I know you've suffered for me. Mm. So thank you for that. Well, we we will all go through and we'll leave you with this. We all go, we all will go through suffering. It's like, I, why, why am I crying in my kombucha? No. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. that. That's really meaningful and beautiful. And, and art is a public service. You know, it's my friend said this to me the other day, and I'll never forget it. I'm paraphrasing him, but he said, good art informs people about the artist and great art informs people about themselves. Oh, right. And that, I was like, uh, that when an artist feels like they can, we would put our heart and our story and our vulnerability into something bigger that speaks more universally to everyone so that it's not, we've all heard stories, song, song stories where it's like, I heard a song, it became interpreted through my own life and it was my song for a season. And then I listened to the song story and I'm like, Weird. I didn't connect that at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I love the mystery of that. I love the mystery of art being that it's meant for public service. It's meant for for us to be able to connect and feel like it, it was written within us. It was a prayer that was prayed within all of us. You the know, remembering thing, like you said at the beginning, like it actually helps us to remember something right. we already knew. Yes. That feels like my new highest calling in work. It's like, can I help people... Just remember what they already knew. Amazing. Can we do that? Okay, so the last question we always ask on this show, mm -hmm. because it's called That Sounds Fun, what oh, do you do for fun? I love this show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is amazing, because in therapy the other day, I we talked about, I was like, this is my takeaway for today. She talked about a fun deficit, when she feels like mm. she gets to a fun deficit, and then um, she needs to develop a fun discipline. Okay. I was like, thank you. Yeah. I can now, I now have words. language yep. to discipline myself into a fun time. <laughs> Girl, if you need a fun coach, you know I'll, I'll do it. You know, because I feel like sometimes fun gets put on the back burner and we get so pious about trying to be profound, uh, mm -hmm. especially, and I think, I think there's this part of me that's felt like maybe it feels more profound to be punishing, you know, oh, rather sure. than just the, the fun, right? the joy. Um, you asked me what I did for fun, and you were expecting, I play with cats. And no. instead of like, oh, let's talk like, about fun the deficit. <laughs> <laughs> but something we didn't talk about, we have so much more to talk about. But uh, but what you and I are both saying, hey, both in therapy. So dear everyone. Love it. Do it. It's so good for you. But also, the number one thing she does for me is give me language for what I already yes. know. And then I go, okay, now that I have this language of deficit, a fun deficit. I can do something with it. Capitalize on it and write a book called yes, Fun Deficit right. and Disciplines. Thank you, Diane. <laughs> Diane, we love you. Um, okay, so what, how are you, what's your fun discipline going to be? What are you going to do? This is a great question. Uh, I love being with friends. Yeah. So it, uh, to me, it's not so much what we're doing, it's who I'm with. Yes. And so I, I love m making Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> Make fun times <laughs> with friends. Good That's our new podcast. Make fun times Make, with Amanda and Annie. Make fun times. <laughs> a 
disciplinary podcast. <laughs> so I think it's usually good food is involved. Um, I love films. I love going to the movies. I love going to the movies. It turns our brains off. It's so good. I it's love so a good all story. Yes, ah! it is such a release. Um, I love going to my friend's cabin because a they are on a lake and they yeah. have a cabin and I don't need to take care of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm like a freeloader. Yeah, I like it. I think what I do a for squatter. fun is I freeload. I'm a squatter <laughs> and a freeloader. And all my friends know it. You right. all know it. I freeload <laughs> off of you so well you don't even know what's happening. Just kidding. They do. They do. Yeah. Those are those. That's are a great things. answer. Well done. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for making time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think this is just getting started. I think so, too. And I'm I really like into it. it. Yeah. Guys, you are listening right now to a friendship begin. That's right. <laughs> this is a birthing process. Everybody <laughs> stick around. <laughs> Friends, don't you love her? I mean, she's just the best. So wise. So kind. So thoughtful. I mean, I'm just, Yeah so impressed if you have not listened to house on a hill yet make sure you go grab a copy of that album it is really special i'll tell you what what you can always be sure about amanda's music is it is thoughtfully created it is not created um quickly it is created with a lot of thought and intention and i'm so grateful for it i'm just so grateful for it Make sure you give her a follow across the internet, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. Tell her thanks so much for being on the show and how much it mattered to you and what she spoke to you that really stood out today. Hey, if you need me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You know it. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Wherever you need me, that is how you will find me. And we're starting something new today, you guys. It's called Annie's Book Bag. There are more books than we have books coming out from people that I know of or know than we have episodes. And so every now and again, thanks to the sponsorship of publishers, we will have a new book for you to throw in your book bag. So today in my book bag, it's Here Now by Kate Merrick. Do you ever feel like you just want to push the fast forward button on your life so you can skip all the uncomfortable parts? Yes, Kate, I do. Kate Merrick gets it. She's been there and now she's hearing her story to help you. We all find ourselves distracted by checking emails, scrolling through social media, and the general busyness of life. But Kate invites you to check back into your real life, one true beautiful life, and be present with your people. Here Now encourages you to come explore presence, discover what it means to unearth it, practice it, and walk in courage in all the seasons. To learn more about the book and download a free chapter, visit BeHereNowBook.com. So that's what's in Annie's book bag today. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same, and we'll see you back here on Monday with, you guys are going to love this guy, the fastest American half marathoner, Ryan Hall. Uh, The conversation is awesome. Y'all are going to love it. See you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.